I'd like to uh, invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And for those of you who were expecting Pastor Brett this morning, um, I'm not sure I can measure up, but uh, we are going to study God's word anyway and, and, and trust that the Lord will reveal himself to us. Colossians chapter 1. And we're going we're gonna to start here in uh, verse 25. Verse 25. Paul is writing to the church there in Colossae. And basically in, in the previous verses of, of this chapter, he thanks the Lord for these people and, and expresses absolute praise for the fact that God has redeemed them. He's called them from darkness to light. And he can do that. He affirms the fact that God can do that because he is God. And he declares that all of, it was God's good pleasure that all the fullness of deity would be in Christ Jesus. That is the, that is the framework of, of this passage. And uh, it's God's great pleasure to reconcile humanity through the death of Jesus on the cross on our behalf. And he, he, he writes there in, in, uh, in verse 24, he says, basically, I'm excited to say that I'm a minister of this gospel, of this truth. And my suffering on your behalf is, um, is basically, a, uh, it's adding to any feeble attempt to try to measure up to the sufferings of Christ. And then he writes these words, and I'm reading from the New American Standard, verse 25. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifest to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Paul says, I was made a minister as a result of how, how God adds and subtracts his grace and my sin, my lack of merit, and he cancels out my unworthiness and inability so that I can be a benefit to you, the church. This is Paul's heart. The benefit is that he is able to preach the word of God and unfold the wonders therein. In verse 26, he says, in other words, that is basically, in other words, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifest to his saints. The mystery, the mystery, the Greek word speaks of that which has not been known before, but which has been revealed. That which has never been known before, but has been revealed. 
Any of you watch the news? This week, this week, NASA uh, uh, let us know that in their work, they have discovered a galaxy. They say it's not far from ours, about 40 light years. Um, they've discovered a galaxy with a dwarf star, which is a small star compared to our sun. And it is relatively cool compared to our sun. And around that star, there are orbiting no less than seven planets about the size of Earth. And they are believing that there is the possibility that there might be water on some of those planets. And in light of that, given what we know of our own Earth's history, there's the possibility of life. that make your antenna go up? Yeah. You know, this, this whole galaxy, this whole universe is a mystery. But even this week, we've discovered, we've quote unquote discovered that there, is, there are things about it that were never known before. That's this idea of mystery that Paul is talking about. Things that were never known before, but have been revealed. We heard in the news for the first time ever, astronomers have discovered seven Earth planet-sized or, uh, plant, or Earth-sized planets orbiting this nearby star. Mystery, mystery, which has not been known before, but it has now been revealed. Matthew 13. Jesus talks about mystery. He explains to his disciples his use of parables. He says in the, the uh, Matthew writes, and the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to them, it has not been granted. Now, most of us don't like this idea of mystery. Most of us want to know exactly what's going to happen. Some of us even have a plan for the rest of the day. Some of you have a plan for the whole week. And others of you have a plan for one year and maybe even five years. You like to know what's going to happen. This idea of mystery doesn't settle well with a lot of us. But it is indeed part of God's great pleasure in revealing himself to us. Paul goes on to say, the mystery which has been hidden from the, from the past ages. In other words, a, a really, really long period of time. Assume, quite honestly, to be since the beginning of time. In John 9, we have the story of the man born blind and healed by Jesus. And, and he is taken in front of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees question him because they're thinking, you, you, you cannot have been born blind. You can't. There's no way. Let's get his parents in here to verify this. And they come in and they say, yeah, he was born blind. And 
John writes, the man answered and said to them, well, here is an amazing thing. You do not know where, where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes, speaking of Jesus. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. It's just unbelievable. From the beginning of time, this has never been heard of. Paul writes, this mystery, which has been hidden from the past ages and generation, but has now been manifested. Manifested. To cause something to be fully known by revealing it in detail to make it plain to reveal to bring to light to disclose in john 14 jesus instructs his disciples he, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and i will love him and will disclose myself to him The mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generation, but has now been manifested to who? To his saints. Who are the saints? Are they the statues you find in some churches? No. He's speaking of us, the saints, those who have been given. The righteousness of Christ. Those who have been made right with God through his grace. Now, what really is this mystery? What, what is the secret that's being disclosed here? We'll look at it. To whom God willed, uh, hidden from the past generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. The mystery is this, that God has chosen to include us, Gentiles, in his promise of salvation. Up until this point, those who would follow Yahweh, God, only knew of, of the almighty God, our father, who chose Israel to be his people. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, uh, I want to reach out to all people. And Paul himself was called to be a minister to who? The Gentiles. This mystery, this thing that's been hidden uh, for, for ages past is that God's desire is that all would come to him. Not just a certain group of people. Salvation is for everyone. In other words, to uncover what is hidden for, for the past eons of time, from the, even the beginning of time, and for countless generations to help you see this wonder, this mystery, this inexplicable truth is revealed to us and all who are forgiven as followers of Jesus. Verse 27, to whom God willed to make known 
what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To whom God willed. This, this idea of, of this word, the, to whom God willed, speaks of to purpose. It's based upon preferences or desire. In other words, God was pleased because he really wanted to do this. It's based on his deep desire. If you look back at verse 19 in this text, 19 says, for it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, the fullness of deity to dwell in him. This good pleasure idea, this idea that um, God's will is the working out of his wonderful intent. In this text um, has some very interesting parts of speech in it. How many of you liked English when you were in school? Any of you enjoy um, uh, diagramming sentences? A few of you? Yeah, yeah, some of you. Good, good. How about diagramming parts of speech? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a science that, that very few really dig into, but there are treasures to be found there in the digging. And I'd like to dig just a little bit with this word. This, this word translated will to, God willed to, and we know that it has to do with it, his, his good pleasure, his desire. First of all, it's, it's the aorist tense. And in Greek, that means that it, it's an occurrence that's established in time. It's in the active voice. It means that the subject of the sentence is performing the action. And it's in the indicative new mood. That means it's a state of fact. It's a statement of fact. It's clearly indicated. God was pleased and still is pleased. He was pleased back then and he's pleased now to continue this process. And that's a fact. God's good pleasure was established then and it continues to, to, to the present time established as a fact. Now, to whom God willed to make known. To make known uh, simply means to, to bring to light, to, to uncover. Jesus in John 15, speaking to his disciples, says, No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. This speaks of, this speaks of a personal disclosure, not a, not a public declaration. Think about it. God's desire to reveal this, to uncover this, his delight in doing that is very personal for each one of us. It's not just a public announcement that we might miss if we're not paying attention. God's 
intent is to deliver this very personally, just to make sure that we don't miss the message. Again, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. Has to do with a question. This mystery. Who is it? What is it? In fact, I'd like to say that the, the, I think perhaps the better translation of sort would be who is the riches of, the, of this glory, this mystery? That is Christ. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. This mystery is Christ in you. Christ in you, not not Christ among you or Christ with you, but Christ in you. Think about that for a moment. This is a difficult concept to get a hold of. I don't think I can, I, I know I don't completely understand. But every single word in this text is there for a reason. Christ in you is God's good pleasure. To reveal that truth to you. John 17. Jesus prays this. What we know as the high priestly prayer. He says to the Lord himself. As he, as he prays. For their sakes I sanctify myself. That they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. But for those who believe in me. Through their word. That's us. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me. And love them, even as you have loved me. What does it mean to be in, for, for Christ to be in me? That's a huge question, in my mind anyway. Paul, in Ephesians um, chapter 3, says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. I don't know about you, but I would love it if somebody would pray a prayer like that for me. Well, he has. That is a prayer that belongs for, to us. Romans 8, Paul encourages the church. However, you are not of the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, 
Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Back to Colossians. Verse 27. I would paraphrase it this way. More specifically, God was pleased. Pleased to reveal exactly who the unspeakable riches really is. The glory, the the inexplicable brilliance of his incredible mystery is the fact that Jesus Christ, the fullness of deity himself, God Almighty, lives in you. In the very people that were We're never even a part of God's promise. Even those who were shut out, excluded from having any part of God's promise. Galatians chapter 1, Paul Paul remembers his call to ministry. And he writes, but when God who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Please reveal his son in me to uncover, to display Jesus Christ in me, not just to me. And that's God's good pleasure for us as well. He desires to reveal his son in us, not just to us. It's what he loves to do. This is God's great pleasure. Matthew chapter 11. And that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. You see, it's God's great delight to infuse us with himself. That idea of infusion means that we change completely from the inside out. How many of you like really good coffee? This is a process that I'm newly acquainted with called a French press. And there's coffee grounds, not just any coffee grounds, espresso grounds in the bottom of this this, uh, container. And you pour in hot water. We have 
hot water, right? And we pour it in. And we let it sit for just a little bit and dribble all over your notes. And then you pour in a little more. And you pour it all the way up to that, the place where you know you want to be in terms of the amount. And then you press this down. Now, what we have here is a mixture of coffee grounds and water, right? A mixture. It's basically dirty water. Right? I mean, would any of you want to drink that right now? Probably not. Well, Jim would. <laughs> but we press, we add some pressure to this, and we push the coffee grounds down to the bottom. And what happens? Do we still have water and coffee grounds? No. We have really good. Now, would we say this is water that is colored now? No, we would say this is coffee. It's completely been infused by the espresso grounds. It is something that has fundamentally changed. And not only does it look different, it tastes different, and it smells. <laughs> because it is different. Christ in you. Christ infused into your life transforms you from the inside out. You cannot be the same. He transforms your character into his. He transforms your identity into his. And the beautiful thing is, is that it's not just once upon a time. It's continuing even to this day. Continuing until we can say in unison with Paul, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is, is Christ. And to die is gain. What does this look like? What does, it, what does it mean? That means we look more and more like Jesus. Not just on the outside. That's, that's Andy. He's a, he's a blood-born Jew, all right? Not just on the outside, but on the inside. We look more like him. It means we have his character. It means the fruit of the Spirit that represent God's work in our lives are manifest in ours. We care about the things and the people that he cares about. 
We see the things and the people that he sees. We respond to the situations and the opportunities and the people like he does. We give priority to the things and the people that he does. We love. We love without condition. And we speak the truth in love. Because it's who we are. It's not this trying to be different. It is allowing God to be manifest in us. Now take note. Soon after Paul remembers his calling there in Galatians chapter 1. Where he writes, when God called me, set me apart from my mother's womb. He was pleased to reveal his son in me. He writes in chapter 2, just a few verses down, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus says, in Matthew chapter 6, in there in the, the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, no one, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And quite honestly, I think it's reasonable to say you cannot serve God and self. Know for certain that it's God's great pleasure to reveal his son in you, not just to you. And it's God's work in you. Paul writes in Philippians chapter one, I'm confident of this, this very thing, that he who began the good work in you will continue to perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you've been striving to please God, Know that his delight is to reveal his son in you. His pleasure is his work in you. Be done with the guilt already. Be done with the guilt and get, be all about giving him freedom to work his character in you. Be done with striving and seriously start thriving in his good pleasure. The revealing of Christ in you. Our effort is to get out of the way and allow him to help himself to our lives. Let me say that again. Our effort is to get out of the way and allow him to help himself to our lives. He will find great pleasure in revealing the mystery of Christ in you. The hope of glory. That glory is the very glory of God. It emanates from him. The Old Testament word is Shekinah. May we also, may we be so consumed with Christ that his good pleasure is made evident in us and through us. May our hearts be emptied of ourselves and filled with the preeminent Christ. And may our prayer always be less of me, Lord, and more of you. 
Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, if Christ is not all to you, he is nothing to you. He will never go into partnership as a part savior to men. If he is something, he must be everything. And if he be not everything, he is nothing to you. Mawin Sockett was born centuries ago. He was a man who grew up in a Christian home, but rejected the gospel as a teenager. His father was an officer in the Roman army on the island of Britain and a deacon in the early church. Despite his family's involvement in the church, Mawin was not a believer. His life was ordinary and completely unexceptional until the age of 16, when dramatic events suddenly occurred, which set his life and the history of Ireland on a new course. The young lad was kidnapped, along with many others, by Irish pirates and sold into slavery in Ireland. For six years, he was imprisoned in the north of the island, and he worked as a herdsman of sheep and pigs on Mount Schlemish. During this period, he became increasing religious and turned to the faith of his father. He considered his kidnapping and imprisonment as a punishment for his lack of faith and spent a lot of time in prayer. And after a vision led him to stow away on a boat bound for Britain, Malwin escaped back to his family. And there he had a dream that the Irish were calling him back to Ireland to tell them about God. Years after his escape, he returned to that very island because of a vision God gave him to share the gospel there. He penned this prayer during his 40 plus years as a missionary to the Druid and pagan people of Ireland. This prayer of the man we know as St. Patrick echoes the sentiment of those desiring to lose themselves in the presence of Christ. Those who desire that Christ be manifest in them. He writes, I arise today through the mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through the belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I arise today through the strength of Christ's birth with baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion and burial, through the strength of his resurrection with his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment of doom. I arise today through the strength of the love of the cherubim, in obedience of angels, in the service of archangels, in hope of resurrection to meet with reward, in prayers of patriarchs, in predictions of prophets, in preaching of apostles, in faith of confessors, in innocence of holy virgins, in deeds of righteous men. I arise today 
through the strength of heaven, light of sun, radiance of moon, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of wind, depth of sea, stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me. God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, his eye to look before me, his ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, his way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from snares of devil, from temptations of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and anear, alone and in the multitude." I summon today all of these powers between me and those evils against every cruel, merciless power that may oppose my body and soul against incantations, incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft and idolatry. against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul, Christ to shield me today, against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me the abundance of reward. Would you stand with me and pray with me this last part? Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me, I arise today. Through the mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Lord, this would be our prayer. That you would be our all in all. Before, behind, in, beneath, above, on our right and left. There when we lie down and when we sit and when we arise even in the heart of every man who thinks of us, that they would see and hear Christ. Lord, our desire is that you would be preeminent in our lives and that we would not just experience you revealing yourself to us, but Lord, that you would reveal yourself in us. That we would be transformed from the inside out. Bearing your life in us. Your character. Your love. As we worship Lord Jesus. We yield ourselves to you. If you are here this morning. And you've never made a commitment to Christ. I invite you. Today's the day. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and yet don't really know what it means to have Christ revealed in you, today's the day. Pray that prayer. Give God invitation and he will surely answer.
I invite you, if you wish, to simply come forward as we worship. Step out in faith and allow God to manifest himself anew in you.